There has been a stunning rise of cremation over uh, the last several years. It is now more popular to be cremated in this country than get a traditional casket burial. And it is twice as common to be cremated now as it was two decades ago. I got to tell you, maybe three weeks ago, we did the Washington Post did a story on this, a really interesting story. And I talked about it. I just basically read the article on the air and invited people to comment as to why. I thought this would be something we could talk about for five or six minutes, maybe ten minutes. I was blown away. We ended up, I think, doing a whole hour on it. Uh, people had a lot of very interesting things to say, a lot of very very informed opinions on this. Uh, but one of the people that I was very eager to talk to after reading that Washington Post story was a professor at the University of Southern California named David Charles Sloan, the author of the book, Is the Cemetery Dead?, and uh, he was kind enough to join us today. David, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. I'm happy to be here, Frank. So you actually grew up in a cemetery, is that right? Yeah, my father was the superintendent of uh, Oakwood Cemetery in Syracuse, New York. Well, terrific. We still have a lot of of, uh, of listeners in Syracuse, and uh, we're happy to have you back. All right, uh, so how how pronounced is this uptick in cremation and this decline in burial. Oh, it's amazing. So when you think uh, in 1960, fewer than 5% of Americans were cremated. By 2015, 51% were cremated. And the estimates are by 2030, 2035, somewhere around 70% of Americans will be cremated. So it's a it's a sea change in the way we think about dis. dis- in the United States. So I guess the the million dollar question is why? What are the key factors that are leading more people to be cremated as opposed to being buried? So cost is one of them, but I don't think it's the driving factor because cremation was cheaper in 1960 as well, uh, in 1980 and in 2000. And yet it's happened in the last 20 or 30 years dramatically more. I think it's there's several things going on. One is a number of Americans have sort of grown apart from their religious upbringings, and so they don't have that same kind of sense of place and and commitment to a church or a synagogue or a mosque, and so they don't have that need to follow rules that their parents or grandparents would have. And this is then reinforced by the reality that they may not stay in a place like Syracuse, or they may not stay in a place Mm. like Detroit or Atlanta. They may move to a new place. And so they don't have a connection to that old cemetery that their family might have been buried in for two or three or four or five generations. And so they don't, those two things I think are really important. Then there's the other things about the changing culture in our society where people, uh, one of the that happened with cemeteries in the 20th century became more and more standardized. So there were standardized lots, small lots. There were standardized monuments with less information on them. None of those fun epitaphs from the 18th century. None of the incredible drawings on the on the stuff from the 19th century. And so um, I think people saw that as sort of a conventional way to look at it. 
and they didn't want the convention. Mm. They wanted something different. Um, and I think those are, and then finally, there's this, uh, there's two, one real quickly, I think that's tied to personalization. People want this to be personal. They want it to be personal. And there's too much that happens around death that seems institutional and depersonal. And so you get, you die in a hospital, surrounded by machines, you're sent to a funeral home where your casket is typically closed. Uh, and you're sent to the cemetery where everybody has the same marker as you do. And so it seems very institutional, very depersonalized, and people are saying, I want this to be my kind of death. Then the last one is, and though, you know, six feet under, movies, you can just go through all sorts of stuff. Death has sort of come back. Um, after a period during the middle of the 20th century, maybe from the 1930s to the 1970s, sort of back in the in, in prominence. And you can see this, you know, that horrible tragedy that happened in Buffalo. One of the first things people did was start creating a roadside shrine um, in front of the grocery store where they could leave flowers and names and candles and all this stuff. And that's pervasive in the United States around traumatic death. That wasn't happening very much in 1950 or 1970. We were mourning in private, in our homes, and then in these institutions, in the cemeteries or the funeral homes or the churches and synagogues. And so I think those together make make a big difference in the way we think about cremation as a, as a way for us to ha- control death as much as you can when it happens. If people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Professor David Charles Sloan. He's a professor at the University of Southern California and uh, the author of the book, Is the Cemetery Dead? Uh, one, of the re- one of the factors that I had seen cited in some places, which is one of the ones that you didn't mention, it wasn't the secularization of society nor the cost, was ecological reasons. Is it better yeah. for the environment to be cremated as opposed to be buried? So it's a com- it's actually way more complicated answer than one would like it to be. For many years, uh, people argue that cremation was more ecological than, than folk burial. And the reason they did that was that people were being buried in hardwood caskets in steel or concrete vaults in ground that was then uh, kept green through pesticides. And so it's probably, if you look at that burial and you compare it to a fire cremation, it's probably still more ecological. In the last two decades, people have begun to to look more seriously at fire cremation, though, and see that it's actually a fossil fuel. Almost all crematories yeah. are nat, uh, natural gas, and they admit some uh, mercury into particulate matter, mercury, uh, especially the older crematories. And so you have some ecological reasons to be concerned about that, which is why two things have happened that confound that simple question, cremation versus burial. So you have you have natural burial where you don't use any pesticides, you don't use uh, any hardwood caskets, you don't use any cement or concrete. You just wrap the person in a sh- shroud, maybe put them in a bamboo uh, cabinet and put them in the ground. And that's a very 
a very ecological approach. The other one is that there are new kinds of cremation, uh, most important of which uh, the most pervasive, now we go on, I think, 17 or 19 states, uh, maybe even over 20 at this point, is alkaline hydrolysis, where the body is not destroyed by fossil fuels, but by this chemical alkaline hydrolysis, which is basically a simple uh, a chemical that's not going to be um, damaging to the environment. And so that's more, that's, that is far more uh, ecological than a conventional burial and is actually more ecological than a fire cremation. Interesting. Now, um, in terms of you are a historian, what do other countries do and what have other civilizations done throughout history? Has the cemetery been pretty standard for most of human civilization or is this historically a relatively recent phenomenon? So cemeteries have been around for a very long time, right? The the pyramids in Egypt. I mean, there's there's all sorts of ways that we have buried people for millennia. Um, cremation has been around for a really long time as well. In uh, Buddhist countries or in India, uh, there's places around the country, around the world, where the other kinds of dispositions were have been used. Burial, though, is pretty pervasive. I mean, it's a pretty a uh, common method of disposition, partially because it takes a decaying mass of cells, your body, after it dies, and it puts it away. It sort of it moves it away from life, and um, and in, and for a very long time, uh, for at least centuries, if not millennia, people were very concerned about dead bodies being uh, around. And because they worried about the smell and they worried about the, the 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 decomposition and whether that decomposition was putting off vapors that were going to create more illnesses. And so burial was uh, very important. In America, uh, burial has been the standard disposition or entombment in, in, a, in, a, in a mausoleum have been standard disposition from the time that Europeans came to the to the to the continent, um, the Native Americans, the First Nations, have a whole set of varying some buried, some left corp, uh, corpses out for uh, to be desiccated by the weather. There was a whole set of different kinds of, of traditions and conventions, but most Europeans have buried or entombed for a really long time. Hmm. Uh, has there been any difference over the years in the popularity of uh, being put in a mausoleum or, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know what the proper phraseology is, maybe it's entombed, but buried above ground rather than in the ground? So for a long time, being buried above ground was incredibly expensive. And so only very wealthy people could do it. Uh, and so the mausoleum, that you see in America prior to the 1870s, say, um, are almost all private mausoleums. Uh, in the 1870s and 1880s, people began to develop what was known as the garden mausoleum. And the garden mausoleum is individual crypts uh, in a building that isn't dedicated to a family. It's, it's a community 
building for disposition. And so entombment became much more popular at that point. There are some people uh, who are very afraid to be buried in the ground um, in the 19th century, particularly because there was this concern that they would be buried alive. Mm. Um, And somehow they wanted to be entombed. Others wanted to be entombed because they saw it as a status act where they could be above ground, they could have their name on a plaque with others. And it spread, it has spread very dramatically during the latter part of the 19th century and still is today spreading in the 20th century. I think it's become quite expensive in many places around the country, like Los Angeles. So I think uh, some people who might have done it uh, 50 years ago are not going to do it now. So you wrote the book, the question that that the, the, your book asks is in the title, Is the Cemetery Dead? Let me get you to answer that question. What do you think the future of cemeteries in this country is? So, it, again, it's this funny thing where on the surface, I think cemeteries are going to be around for a really long time. Because there, you said at the, at, at the beginning, there are lots of people who don't want to be buried in a cemetery. But there are still lots of people who want to be buried in a cemetery. Um, 50% or 48% of Americans still get buried or entombed. And so that's a lot of people. And so it does not like they're going to go away. And more importantly, I think, cemeteries have begun to say, okay, discrimination thing is happening. It's happening really fast. It's becoming really important. Uh, we have sort of dealt with it in many ways. Cemeteries open crematories. They open little places where you can niches, where you could where you could entomb a, a cremate a cremate cremation. Uh, you could they, they played with it, but now they're fully involved in trying to figure out: Are we going to create a space where you can scatter ashes within the cemetery and then have your name on a wall? Are we going to have places that are easier for people? very natural spaces where people can do similar sort of natural burial, but with a cremation. And so they're really working hard to try and figure out. And part of this is they're trying to get back into that public realm. And so you're in New York City, Greenwood Cemetery in in Brooklyn has has begun to do art installations uh, where they're trying to people in to see these fantastic art installations. Other places like the cemetery in Atlanta has a 5K run that they do through the cemetery. So I don't think the cemetery is going anywhere uh, in any near future. At the same time, when we get to 70%, if we get to 70% cremation, the economics of cemeteries is going to become much harder to justify because it's going to be uh, a burial of a cre- cre- cremation is not nearly as expensive as the barrel of a full body. And so you're just not going to get the same kind of, of, of endowments that you would under a full burial. Is there, um, has there been a decline in folks visiting cemeteries over the years? Uh, Because I remember when I was a child, it was almost a routine thing to go and visit relatives uh grave sites and i'm talking about regularly not not on a uh, special occasion or something like that now i I can't remember the last time i visited uh, my grandparents uh tombstone or anything like that do people still visit graves um in large number 
So it has declined. There's no doubt about it. It started declining in the in the middle of the 20th century, but uh, it's really declined since then. And so families will make a make a big deal out of Easter or Memorial Day, um, a day that the birthday of the person, uh, things like that. But they won't go on a regular basis. So I grew up in Syracuse in this cemetery, 200 acre cemetery. And I worked for my dad from the time I was 13 and during the summer uh, throughout uh, my early 20s. And you could drive around and you would see some people who were there every week. I mean, they would be there every week or they would come twice a month or they, they would be the regulars. And there was a small number of them. And then on Memorial Day, there'd be a huge number. And then they'd all go away. And then you'd be in the same back to the regulars the next week. And so it is one thing that I think cemeteries have confronted is that as people move away from their mm. family homes, they're much less likely to go back and see their parents' graves, right? My parents are buried because my brother is uh, an assistant superintendent at Woodlawn in the Bronx at the time. And so they're buried in, in Woodlawn. And when I go back to New York to do a walk or t- for some reason, a vacation, I'll try and go up and say hi. But that's no more than two or three times a year. And I have a, a sibling who says, I don't go there at all, and I have no desire to go. And so I think it's both. We've moved away a little, uh, maybe a lot. And there's a sense of why would we go back? And I that's created some real problems for cemeteries because if you don't have that connection then it's not there's not a clear reason why you would be buried there uh talking with david charles sloan he is the author of a fascinating book called is the cemetery dead Uh, david one of the things that i like to do there's a there's a cemetery at the church that my wife and i go to and there's graves going back to the early 1700s. And I love to look around at the tombstones, many of which have been restored, see the last names, see the ages that people were when they died. And I really view it as such a fascinating window into history uh, to see how the ethnicities of our community have changed over a couple of hundred years, to see the differences in terms of uh, um, you know style of tombstone, people that were buried in the 19th 1920s versus people that were buried in the 1880s. Do you think the decline of the cemetery in some ways also could result in a decline in being aware of our own history? Oh, without a doubt. Um, the modern cemetery, any cemetery, is a communal history, of, a collective history of that place, of that neighborhood, of that community. And so when you have cremation become the primary mode of disposition, and most people who do cremation don't bury and inter in a a cemetery, then you lose that connection. You lose that history. And it is fascinating. You know, one of my favorite gravestones is in Oakwood Cemetery, where the first line is, she was uh, made a bride in a corpse all in one year. Oof. And it, it just gives you this, yeah, ooh. I mean, it's that powerful sense of here's a life of a, of a wealthy young woman um, that, is, that is gone. And, and these are the power 
of that connection. There are also this amazing thing. I, you brought it up about changing demographics. You know, for a very long time, I live in Los Angeles, and for a very long time, uh, the major cemetery here, Forest Lawn Memorial Park, was a it was a whites only cemetery for many many years until the 1960s, and yet today voted their their big cemetery Glendale, one of their primary clientele are Chinese, and it's fascinating to see as you suggest the way that the Chinese monuments are different mm. than the than the Anglo ones would have been 30 years ago or the Anglo ones would have been 50 years ago. And it, and it is this fascinating, again, this is, uh, you know, the Asian population in Los Angeles has blossomed dramatically. They have pretty good, they're fairly wealthy. I mean, there's many poor people, but there's a fairly wealthy community. And so they have enough money to be in a place like Forest Lawn. And so you have this sense of the dynamic nature of Los Angeles through the cemetery itself. And a number of scholars have looked at cemeteries as a way to get a sense of the dem- demography. I mean, one of the things that one of the a really nice paper that was written years ago looked at the Spanish flu of 1918, 1919, and how you could go in small towns in New England or in uh, larger uh, cemeteries uh, in metropolitan areas, and you would just see, you know, one right after another. The father died in 1918. Mother died in 1918. Son died in 1918. And you got a sense of that impact of that epidemic. Now, we're going to see some of that with COVID. Um, some of it we won't because people are getting cremated. Uh, fascinating conversation. Before I let you go, I'm sure you've explored other um, trends related to how people commemorate their loved ones passing other than cremation and other than burial. Uh, what are people doing other than those things when it comes to uh, commemorating their loved one's death? Yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm sure most people have heard about how you can take a cremation and turn it into jewelry mm. uh, and wear it. Um, the one that's always struck me is, as you may know, I'm sure, Frank, that uh, memorial tattoos have become very popular, uh, started out with mostly the service, uh, military service people, and now have spread pretty dramatically into particularly immigrant communities. And some of the younger people, and I don't think this happens with anybody, but the really young, are taking a little bit of the cremation remains and putting it in their tattoo ink, whoa! So that they can actually, so they can actually have the person in their body. Huh? Wow! And so there's doing that. Um, the probably the most uh, controversial uh, uh, practice that has emerged in the last decade, legal only in the state of Washington now, um, is this idea that you're going to recompose. Recomposition is what it's called. At the beginning, it was called human composting. Um, recomposition is a little bit better name, I think. Uh, and basically what they do is you put their body in an incredibly rich nutrient uh, capsule, and you go down the, uh, go down this uh, mechanical space that Katrina Spade has innovated. And within a certain period of time, your your body is is consumed by that nutrient matter, and your family can have part or all of that matter. It's a lot. 
And so most people just take a little bit of it, and then the rest of it is spread in trees uh, wow. in the Northwest. Uh, hey, final That's, question. Uh, final question I have for yeah. you, David. I have to ask this before we run out of time. Is uh, Ed Koch, the former mayor of New York City, he was determined to get buried in Manhattan, and he, I think, got yeah. one of the very last burial plots in Manhattan. The television show Billions did a whole a couple of episodes about the guy that spends a whole bunch of money for the very last burial plot in Manhattan. How common is this in communities and especially cities around the country that they're just running out of uh, space to bury people? Well, in Manhattan, it's not they're running out of space. It's illegal to start a new cemetery. Uh-huh. And so, and it has been for a really long time, 1820. Um, and so all the cemeteries were moved. That's why there's so many cemeteries in, in Brooklyn, the Bronx, and Queens, is that they all got pushed out of the cemetery. Same thing's true in San Francisco, where everybody everything got moved out to Colma. And so uh, in those places, it's really hard to get buried there. There is a big exception, again, around cremation, is that a number of cathedrals and churches and synagogues are now creating spaces within their sacred, within their sacred buildings uh, where you can be interred as a cremation. Um, San Francisco Cathedral, I'm sure there's several places in New York. And so... People are going to come back. They're just not going to have a full body burial. Uh, David, a fascinating conversation. I hope we can talk again in the future. I hope people check out your book, Is the Cemetery Dead? Thank you very much, Frank. That's great. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.